One thing that the market uncertainty that COVID has brought with it is the fact that the the role of the CFO is now, I think, considered a bit more strategic or should be more strategic. All right, here we go. Let's do this, shall we? Episode number 128 of Future Proof. Glad you're here. Uh, Glad to be here. Uh, I am Bill Sheridan. I'm your host for these weekly shenanigans. So what's up? How you feeling? Staying warm? How about those uh, New Year's resolutions? How are they going? Hanging in there? My, uh, my wife and I decided to do that dry January thing this year. Seems uh, to be the thing to do, at least if you <laughs> believe all the yahoos on social media these days. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of digging it. I, I got to tell you, I'm sleeping better. I'm, I'm sleeping more, which is a miracle. Uh, I wake up feeling not just good, but great in the morning. Uh, I, I don't know when's the last time that happened. I mean, geez, I, I, I've, I've lost a little weight. I mean, holy crap, you know, man, I got to say, I'm, I'm liking this no alcohol stuff. I, I think I'll keep it going as long as I can, you know, and not that it was ever a, a problem before, but things just seem better without it, you know, clearer, more, I don't know, in control, right? Uh, next up, I got to ditch my, uh, my Diet Coke habit. You know, pull that monkey off my back. But, you know, one vice at a time, right? Say, y'all still healthy? This COVID stuff, yeah. Um, Still out there, right? (laughs) Still out there in force. Uh, Shortly after the new year, I had neighbors on both sides of us uh, who who got exposed. One of them, one of them got sick. We both, they both had to uh, quarantine. You know, just a reminder, man, don't let your guard down. This, this thing, long way from being over. So, so stay vigilant, stay healthy. Keep on keeping on, right? Uh, let's start the way we always do uh, by telling you that this week's show is sponsored, as always, by the Business Learning Institute, which delivers competency-based curriculum, courses, content, and community, otherwise known as the four C's, <laughs> to, to maximize career trajectories and grow intellectual capital for organizational and executive leadership. Hundreds of courses by dozens of instructors and unlimited customization. Find out how the Business Learning Institute can help you by visiting blionline.org. So uh, what are we talking about this week? Corporate finance. Let's talk about that, shall we? Plenty of challenges to talk about here. Um, as with every other <laughs> corner of the profession, finance is, is getting hit on all sides by exponential trends. Certainly technology is one of them, but there are plenty of others, right? Time constraints, uh, the changing role of CFOs and other C-suite leaders in finance, uh, you know, business continuity and leading remote workforces. All those have been, you know, they've been trends for years. Now the pandemic has come along and kind of accelerated all of those things. You know, the folks at Gartner last year, they came out with a list of 10 trends that finance professionals need to learn to navigate today if they want to succeed tomorrow. Those trends include these, and I'm quoting from the Gartner uh, Gartner report here, okay? So number one, uh, bridging the skills gap created by digital transformation. Uh, This is what Gartner Senior Advisory Director Craig Wilton said. He said, quote, finance leaders must look at how they recruit and develop staff as well as how they retain them and provide career growth for them. Uh, A lack of digital competencies in finance will quickly affect an organization's ability to make good decisions, end quote. Number two, the demand for decision-ready data. 
Again, this is Craig Wilton. Finance must balance the need for accuracy with the need to make a huge volume of data available for decision-making, which is a new muscle for many finance teams. Number three, recentralization of finance analytics. So Gartner says that as finance seeks to reduce costs while improving analytical, analytical insight, many organizations are relocating finance analytics in scalable centralized models governed by a finance center of excellence. Uh, trend number four, according to Gartner, reporting goes on demand. So again, Gartner says finance transformations and technological advances are increasingly enabling internal stakeholders to gain real-time access to self-service data complemented by advanced analytics. Trend number five, a fourth era for ERP. Software vendors are increasingly offering more core finance applications on the cloud, where intelligence systems like artificial intelligence and machine learning are not an add-on, but are embedded in the ERP. Trend number six, the AI revolution has begun. In the coming decade, AI will optimize or transform nearly every activity in finance, so says Gartner. Trend number seven, RPA is putting internal controls at risk as robotic process automation and other digital technologies become commonplace. Finance needs to establish the right internal controls, assuring against financial reporting risk without overly reducing the speed of implementation. Trend number eight, unlocking growth through supplier innovation as organizations become increasingly reliant on their suppliers for key capabilities and continue to work with even more suppliers in varied capacities. Gartner says they will need to leverage key relationships to strategic and competitive advantage, as well as to contain risk. Trend number nine, growing use of global business services. Shared services has moved far beyond finance transaction processing and now includes value-added services in finance and beyond. And finally, uh, trend number 10, cost scope is harming efficient growth. Gartner says corporate cost growth has outpaced revenue growth by 1.8 times since 2014, in part because neither finance nor business leaders have great visibility into the breakdown of those costs. And again, that's from a Gartner report titled 10 Trends for Finance to Navigate Now. So yeah, there's there's a lot going on in, in the world of corporate finance, which makes it as good a time as any to sit down with my guest this week. He is Wayne Slater. Wayne is Director of Product Marketing for Profix, which helps mid-market companies achieve their goals with innovative cloud-based corporate performance management software. So I wanted to find out a little bit more about the accelerations that are disrupting corporate finance, how businesses have had to shift in order to meet those challenges, right? And, and the types of new tools that finance leaders need to put their businesses and their people in position to succeed, because those tools are different now than, than they were even five years ago, right? So that's what we're talking about this week. Settle in for an enlightening conversation. This is me talking with... Wayne Slater. So Wayne, thanks so much for joining me. Let's start here. Give me some background on uh, the types of, of challenges that businesses 
have typically had when it comes to you know planning and analysis and reporting is it, is it a case of of like legacy systems not keeping up with their needs or is, or does it go deeper than that yeah that's that, that that's always a, a good question to start with with build it's actually kind of the reason why the entire um, corporate performance management market actually exists but it's your usual suspects actually so you know as the analysts uh, reports keep telling us like most CFOs agree that there's a lot of room for improvement in many of their FPNA processes still. So those include you know, your typical usual suspects, like the need to budget faster and more effectively, you know, the improvements to financial reporting. Everyone always wants to do better and you know, faster reporting. And then you know, planning, such as things as forecasting, then you know, get, getting into you know, better processes around cash flow, CapEx, and all the other usual suspects. Um, there, there's a lot more we could talk about there. But really, the underlying reasons uh, for this are many and often are unique to the particular you know, organization that we're talking about. But most commonly, um, it ties to the fact that most finance teams, as, as you probably would agree, are already like really busy. I don't, I don't know any finance leader that says they've got a lot of spare time on their hands. Yeah. And uh, you know, finding additional time to improve on certain processes or maybe even just to research and implement a new technology is really hard to come by. So, and then there's the tools they're using, and I'll and I'll pause pause this point for a few seconds, as it's important to point out that today, you know, one of the most important things we need to think of is that we're actually collecting more data than we ever have in human history. So, think about this. Um, I was shocked to hear this stat, but in the span of the last two years alone, we have captured more data than we have in our entire documented history. That's and crazy. Yeah. And, and, and that, case, that pace keeps accelerating, too. And, you know, the same goes for business data. Like, that's happening in parallel, too, right? Yeah. Um, so now when we go back to the business systems, so, so like you mentioned earlier, legacy systems, yes, definitely play a role as they are really struggling to keep up with this influx of data and also the kind of the requirements of, of, of you know, the modern, um, you know, CFO and if you've got older financial systems running in silos as well, they kind of lack the required integrations uh, with the other business systems that, that are kind of needed to correlate the data and to then to make the data kind of like bring it into a single view and make it truly be effective to the person actually who would be able to kind of manipulate it and model it. And then you kind of secondly, you know, when we start looking at budgeting and planning, you know, and still in, in most companies, you know, this is still a manual process. And that relies heavily on the, you know, the use of, you know, someone actually driving this process, typically from the finance perspective, but then also using uh, some tools like spreadsheets to collect, analyze and distribute the data. And while we all love spreadsheets, like spreadsheets are awesome <laughs> tools for manipulation and things like that. They always come with their own inherent challenges, such as versioning, yeah, the and the errors and the time associated with them as well. Manual data entry just introduced its own risk. And I, I actually read a paper recently. Finally, someone had correlated some some of the uh, the issues that go with uh, spreadsheets. And a, a paper that actually stated that uh, about four percent of the data in an average approved budget is actually incorrect. No so. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, that, so that's interesting, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, you run with it and it doesn't have a big impact. But if there was something lost in a formula or something not obvious or, you know, heaven forbid, there was a decimal point that was misplaced, <laughs> they have a significant impact. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a there's a number of things. It seems like dovetailing into kind of a perfect storm here. You, you mentioned uh, not enough time, which I think uh, everyone throughout the profession is kind of feeling that crunch, you know, uh, legacy systems, this 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 kind of exponential acceleration of, of, of data. And then of course, you know, all we were feeling all that, you know, a year ago, 
more than a year ago. And then all of a sudden, you know, last March, here comes here comes COVID, right? And I've heard tech, tech, uh, tech experts and futurists kind of say that COVID has acted as an accelerator for all of these trends, right? Yeah. But things were moving fast before, but now COVID has sped them up even, even more so. How did it accelerate things in the world of, of reporting and analysis, do you think? Oh yeah, yeah. I, and even before I dive into that, I think I'll, I'll use a I, I use a data point here, which I thought was 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 interesting. So um, when the dramatic shift, you know, kind of happened uh, with with the COVID lockdowns, probably around uh, you know March of of, of last year, mm-hmm. our, my web guy came over to me, and uh, he he actually came over with some really interesting stats. So I, I work for Profix, we're a corporate performance management vendor. And normally most people come to Profix because they're looking on search terms like budgeting software or speed up budgeting or reporting. You know, they use mm-hmm. general terms like that. And then around about March, you know, basically the head of our digital team comes over to me and he goes, look at this, the, the searches that are driving hits to our website. He goes, you know, look at the dramatic increase in searches such as scenario planning or how to build scenario models or you know free what is frequent forecasting or rolling forecasts mm-hmm. and 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 so you know it, it was interesting because you know it was it was a sudden shift we'd never seen anything like that in our history but also secondly though you know being in the corporate performance management space you know that was kind of music to our ears because that's kind of what the software is built for in a right. sense right so, so, so in a sense, you know, when we start looking at, you know, uh, most people will buy us to streamline their budgeting process, then use it to, facil- to facilitate better reporting. And then, you know, kind of what, our, what our, our, our professional services people like to do is like, hey, kind of move beyond that thing. You should actually use this thing for forecasting, then move into rolling forecasts, and you should really be doing scenario modeling. But when we talk to our customers, you know, in, until, um, until COVID, I would say about 70% of them were still just using it for budling, or budgeting and reporting. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so it was funny. Just when the future suddenly looked uncertain, it's it's amazing the change in mindset people suddenly had. I think they realized maybe there was a a new normal coming, and what oh, was yeah. that going to be? Yeah. Well, so you know, it's the same type of thing. I, I mean, we've seen it throughout the, the the profession with with things like something as simple as remote work, right? I mean, we've been talking about remote work for mm-hmm. for years and years and years, and it's you know, it seems like people in the profession were like, yeah, that. You know, I, I I get it. I see, I see the the benefit, but it's not for us right now. And then, boom! Overnight, you know, suddenly everyone's got to flip the switch and go remote immediately. And uh, it, those types of uh, those types of accelerations. I mean, we're seeing them over and over again when it comes to the pandemic and the impact that it's had on, on businesses. So, I mean, were these were these types of things that you those those search results that you were seeing after the pandemic were these things that you you had been talking about with clients for a while, but then all of a sudden you're you're seeing a spike in interest because of the pandemic. How does that work? Yeah, there's yeah, there's that, that, that's a great question, and there's and there's several angles to look at that. So. You know, a, a lot of software companies probably over the last 12 to 15 years have been, you know, for many reasons, trying to get their, many of their, their customers and, their, and, and the software in general, they're evolving their, their software from being like an on-premise solution to like a cloud-based solution. Mm-hmm. And so most of the ERP vendors out there are doing it. Um, you know, most of the, the, the business intelligence tools that are popular today, they're, 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 most of them are cloud-based as well. And the same thing, what's going on in our space with corporate performance management. That whole drive to the cloud, and um, you know, you probably heard the term digital transformation. We'll dig into that a, a bit later, but yeah, um, what what basically at a, at, a, at a high level, you know, if you were running your financial applications in the cloud, and then you suddenly had like most people had to deal with 
uh, suddenly, you know, your employees either became partly or mostly um, a remote workforce suddenly. That puts, if you're not, if your application's not in the cloud, that puts a massive strain on IT suddenly. Right. You know, not only they may not have the infrastructure already in place to support, whether it's hundreds or thousands of remote users. Uh, so, so really what happened in a lot of companies is there was actually a bit of a, a business continuity challenge initially. Okay. Uh, well, suddenly, you know, I know some corporations, uh, you know, that had tens of thousands of employees suddenly working remotely from home. IT would have never have contingency planned for something like that. So now it's like, do we have to re- go procure, you know, switches and infrastructure? And now does everyone have a notebook? If they don't have a notebook, get them a notebook. And does everyone have VPNs? <laughs> How can we, just to get everyone back online doing the work we were doing before, just to bring you back up to where you were when you think about it, right? So there was an immediate cost impact to that where those who have maybe already had moved their, uh, you know, undergone a digital transformation to move their applications to the cloud. It's just a matter of going home, even on your home computer, if you had to, and firing up the browser. And there you had access to your business application and away you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, what kind of impacts do you think, you know, th- those types of accelerations have been having on businesses and your clients, for instance, and, and how they operate? Yeah, let's let's look at it for twofold. Is, is first off, let, let's look at just the the, the impact of, of, of COVID for one, and then we'll, we'll get into the infrastructure side. So, you know, for, from a COVID perspective, let, let's just think back. I like to use a time machine because last year was like a year of, you know, that's of like no weather. It, it was just so incredibly different than any, any other year we've experienced. But, you know, uh, you know, that back in like uh, March and April again, when the full impact of COVID was felt, you know, you know, everyone was just kind of still just really kicking off the budgets and plans that were built just a two to four months earlier. And then suddenly they were obsolete. So all that work that went into the planning cycle was gone. You had to throw that away. And then many businesses now needed to immediately react and really first off to triage their cash flow and their costs. Like a lot of companies were negatively impacted. You know, we can just talk about whether it's hospitality, whether it was retail, that those, those markets got smashed. And then if you happen to be lucky, you know, maybe manufacturing toilet paper or something like that, you couldn't have even expected the massive, you know, expansion of your business, right? So that's not always a negative thing. It's also sometimes you you, you could, you know, just reacting to explosive growth can actually be a really hard and challenging thing to deal with as well, because now you've got your supply chain vendors and manufacturing headcount to worry about. So there was that. And then, you know, so now there was, you know, people are kind of resetting their budgets. And now, you know, because of the uncertainty, there was that need, that was sudden need where, you know, if maybe you were planning annually or H1, H2, or maybe by quarter, now suddenly you needed to plan almost continuously. And you've probably heard the term used out there, continuous planning. That's probably a buzzword that was really brought in by COVID, actually. It was the, you know, it's, as a CPM vendor, we've been telling people you needed to do that for years. Mm-hmm. But this, this is now kind of what, ha- this is almost like a, you know, the real world scenario of why you should do it. Now, right, you know, and certainly right. introduces this and now people in, the, in finance really need to kind of tackle this from that aspect. It's it's amazing. I mean, over and over again, we see those types of things happening as a result of a, of a pandemic of all things. Yeah. You know, just accelerating how we, how we do business. And uh, um, it, it's been kind of incredible to watch. How do businesses, how, how do you think they have to shift in order to meet these types of challenges? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's almost tied to what we were talking about in the first, uh, uh, the, the prior question. Actually, I, I actually probably didn't even answer the second half of it. So yeah, so we talked about the impact of COVID. And then the second shift, which you alluded to earlier, 
was that sudden shift to a remote for workforce, right? So, you know, we had already talked about finance being busy and time was an issue and things like that. Well, when you think about it, like working remotely also further distances collaboration and efficiency and really left some finance professionals who organizations were still tied to like those legacy on-premise applications we were talking about. You know, not only did they have limited access to those applications like we were t- just talking about, but also... Um, there's now this element that I just can't walk over to Bob's desk if I need a quick answer or data input on a budget now. It's like Bob is now, he's he could be a city away from me. So now I'm like, you know, trying to maybe get into his calendar, um, booking a meeting with him. We start swapping spreadsheets backwards and forwards. So what was already a very long and taxing either budget process or planning process of some sort is now we've been taxed by the added uh, delays of distance. You know, not being in the office with people. I know there's there's an added time element there. Um, so, so really what just happened is when everyone started working remotely, not, not only was the infrastructure and the access to the systems challenge, but also there's an, an additional delay that happens with efficiency of just getting answers and getting the job done and getting feedback and things back into your inbox in a timely fashion. So. Right. Yeah, it's, it, it always seems to fall back on that time and responsiveness, right? And you may hear, um, if you're out there you know, just talking to analysts or reading a lot of white papers, they start using the word agility. You know, finance now needs newfound agility, right? That's almost the buzzword of 2020. <laughs> agility, flexibility, like fluidity. I mean, just, you know, yeah. I mean, those types of buzzwords have been huge over the last year or so. Absolutely. I mean, how different does corporate finance look today than it did, you know, February, March of last year, I guess. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, I think maybe my question is, is have things changed for good? Do you think? I mean, as a result of, of what we've gone through over the last year? Yeah, you know, it's, um, you, you probably, you know, your parents may have told you, you know, it's always, it's always good to plan for a rainy day. <laughs> And, you know, I think we just, it's just human nature that we get complacent with things. We're always thinking next year, especially most organizations, we're we're setting our goals to maybe be 15 or 20% better than last year. Mm -hmm. And so you plan forward that. And I don't think very many companies were actually ever doing, you know, modeling or being, you know, being ready for what if our market totally shut down next year? No one was thinking of that, right? Right. And and so, you know, from my perspective, there was, there, there was two needs or bit, things that are changing in, in, in the corporate office of finance today um, that, that are very different from where they were even just 12 months ago. So the, the first one I think is, you know, we were talking a little bit about it, but I want to dive into it a little bit more. It's that need for digital transformation again mm-hmm. and getting not only, you know, your, just your corporate performance management, but all of your financial applications into the cloud as part of a, a well-crafted strategy that you would work with IT on and yeah. all of the vendors that were right for you. But then there's also the, um, the the other side of this as well, which is like, let's talk about the changing role of the CFO. This, this has been a very interesting year for the CFO. And I think if you were almost to look at a job description, uh, if, 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 a, if a large major corporation was looking for a CFO today than they were five years ago, it would actually look different. And the reason why I say that is, is one thing that the market uncertainty that COVID has brought with it is the fact that the, the role of the CFO is now, I think, considered a bit more strategic or should be more strategic. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, no longer can the, the, can the finance team or the CFO be reactive. That worked yesterday. You know, you got the work done. You got all the FP&A processes done timely. So many sites that we've, you know, we were just uh, alluding to this earlier, we've entered a new normal for finance. And that is kind of where the CFO role has to you know, evolve to be very proactive and doing so play an increasingly strategic role within the organization. 
But he needs to do leverage some of the stuff where we talk about from a software perspective with the digital transformation uh, that, that he's going to need to help do this. So, you know, one of the things he's got to bring to the table is, is actually the ability to kind of like um, kind of help, you know, kind of navigate the company through uncertainty. And the, C, the CFO and the finance team, team is really the, the that team is the only team in the entire company that has access to all the data that actually allows them to do this. So they have access to all the prior data that's in the past, the present data and what's currently going on. And then also using the right tools, they actually have the ability now to become more strategic by modeling different versions of the future. This is kind of where we're starting to talk about more scenarios now. So in doing so, you know, the, the CFO has the opportunity to transform like the, NFP, the FP&A processes from an annual or periodic process to one of agility we're talking about, continual, continual business, pro, basically continuous planning. And then with, you know, an uncure or sorry, uh, unclear future ahead, mm-hmm. you know, the CFO now needs to, you know, drive the need for constant scenario development and modeling to mitigate future risk. Also, um, facilitate models that will aid in making, you know, faster, more confident decisions about various different courses of action. And then also during, through all of this, maintain a clear picture of costs, capital allocation, and the resources that are going to be impacted by this. And then also be, play a very strategic role, you know, in a role that they wouldn't, kind of doing things he wouldn't do before, where he's now going to help identify, you know, pain points or even future opportunities. There's a lot more I could list, but the message here is that if he's got the right tools which again is part of that digital transformation strategy we were talking about. The CFO has the opportunity to increase their strategic value in the company and then basically move from a if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach to a very proactive strategic advisor to the rest of the C-suite. Right. Yeah. I, I was talking with somebody not too long ago who who kind of described, you know, this changing role of the CFO is, you know, they're they're no longer the the number people they're they've kind of moved into the co-pilot seat in the organization right and yeah. uh, working side by side in tandem with the CEO on that type of strategy and 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 kind of future vision for the organization um and that's a, that's that's kind of a new role in the last last uh, 5 10 years for for financial officers it, it is and i and i've got a few friends in the marketplace that that are um, presidents or cfos of 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 um of decent sized companies and one of the things they're telling me now is that one thing 2020 has taught them is if i had to rebuild my executive team i would start off at, at ground zero with the strongest cfo or controller i could find hmm. and, and and it's and it's interesting that, that i don't think people would have thought about that 5 years ago right Right. No, I think you're right. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned tools here a couple of seconds ago. What time? What types of new tools do you think finance leaders need uh, to kind of put their businesses and 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 their people in position to succeed today? Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. I'm going to go to to, to new and existing tools because um, I think there's a way to look at improving some of the tools we're already using, and then and then also adding other tools to kind of take you to the next level. So, you know, I, I've got to come from a background of a lot of experience selling ERP systems in the business. And I do know that a lot of the ERP systems that people are using now are still legacy. They're, they are still on-premise or niche, or maybe they're even highly outdated. Um, but, you know, you kind of live with it because nothing's really nudged you along the way. Right. And you now something like COVID again now makes you kind of revisit, wow, it's an, it's, it's an old legacy system. It's hard to give access to my people remotely. You know, there are much better niche solutions for my industry or my size of company. If I'm like, like a mid-market company, there are ERP vendors that specialize in those industries and markets. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's time for me to, you know, reconsider um, a cloud-based solution that's a much more appropriate for me. Plus, 
you've spent so much time with your old system, you know where your weaknesses are and, and, and what you need, what your new requirements are. So it's almost a, a way to take a fresh opportunity of, you know, re-implementing, you know, kind of the, the system that is your system of record within the organization. Mm-hmm. And so now you've kind of got your system of record looked after. This is kind of the system where all your data goes into. And now you kind of want to, you know, more important than ever is you want to be able to strategically plan where your company is going. So this is where you've seen the the massive success of business intelligence software. Mm. So, you know, Microsoft Power BI, you know, SaaS, all sorts of these vendors, right? But they, they've experienced, you know, amazing significant growth over the last 10 to 20 years. But like BI software at its highest level is really powerful analytic software that helps companies determine what their strategic goals are. So then if you're able now to use a BI tool to leverage all of your data and, and, and actually outside data to determine you know, what your goals really are going to be for the organization, that's where now corporate performance management software, like companies like Profix can come in and uh, you know, corporate performance management at a very high level just enables companies to budget, plan, and report faster and more efficiently. But also the goal of corporate performance management software is to ensure that these companies actually achieve their goals. So the BI software will actually help you establish what your goals are. Corporate performance management kind of maps your progress and helps you kind of pivot and achieve your goals in a sense. So it's kind of good. And then underneath all of that as well, you know, making sure you have the right CRM system, again, to make sure that, uh, you know, obviously for planning your sales efforts, and again, they got to be acceptable, keep reminding you that they uh, are accessible, so they need to be in the cloud. And then also, um, you know, since everything today is integratable, as you're making your your your, your budget or your, 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 your forecasting changes, um, in like your CPM system, having an extensible HR personal planning or payroll software as well helps you actually really kind of rationalize your resource planning. And, and it, because all the systems are integrated now, you can make a change in one system and have it permeate over all the systems. And that's kind of the value of an integrated ecosystem. And that should always be part of any digital transformation strategy. Yeah. And the whole idea is the corporate performance management software like Profix. It's designed to integrate with all those and give you your single view of your financial truth. So as you're you know, basically doing your continuous planning, running with your rolling forecasts, or, you know, planning different business states with uh, scenario models, you know, it's this type of integration and digital transformation overall using all of the tools um, that will transform the CFO and the Office of Finance into a much more strategic and valued member of the, the C-level team. Boy, that, that single point of truth, it's, it's like the holy grail, right? Everyone, everyone's looking for it. Um, it's, <laughs> what, uh, it, well, tell me a little bit more about what Profex is doing uh, to help kind of build that blueprint, right, for the future of, of finance. Yeah. So again, this, um, remember still 80% of most organizations out there are still doing manual planning, right? So we talked a little bit about that earlier spreadsheets. So step one is just, you know, how can corporate performance management help? So, you know, really it helps by automating a lot of the, the FP&A tasks already. So it's designed to basically free you up um, to, to work on more strategic initiatives. And it does that by kind of helping to automate the budgeting and planning processes. It does so with workflows. Uh, and it's really what that does is increase collaboration, accountability, provides visibility and really shrinks those planning timelines. Okay. And then also, you know, the whole goal of corporate performance management as well is help to eliminate the time errors and all the associated costs of those spreadsheets. So we kind of like remove it, remove the spreadsheets or the spreadsheet only planning from, from the planning process as well. Everyone's now using a single unified tool that we were talking about earlier, that power of integration. Again, we're all working from the same data. Yep. Um, and then also that improves the, the collaboration and visibility. And, and then, you know, also, you know, all the FP&A processes, the time saved in budgeting, 
scenario planning, reporting, and now even close, you know, making sure you can actually expedite your close. Again, if you can shrink the time windows and increase the accuracy of everything you're doing, your overall time savings becomes massive. It's the aggregate of all of that as well. So now when you kind of look at this, now you're wondering earlier on in the conversation, most finance leaders said we were just too busy. We're just always running at 110%. Hopefully we've been able to you know, take the first phase of this is shrink a lot of those processes and the time involved in that. So now suddenly you've got newfound time that now we can you know, start doing more strategic things like the, um, like the scenario plans and the more frequent you know, forecasting and basically get into that continuous planning mode. That's, you know, that's <laughs> everyone throughout the profession is kind of looking at technology to kind of solve those problems for them, right? Freeing them up to do that kind of higher level strategic value added stuff. I mean, that stuff takes time and, and we've got to get stuff off our plate in order to be able to do it. And, and you know, these types of solutions are, are tailor made for that kind of thing. Absolutely. That, and, and that's exactly it. Yeah. I've been on the other end of the planning side too, where I've been just a, like, like a VP of sales or, or channels. And it's part of the other, another delay that happens with planning is just got to do with um, if budgeting is actually the budgeting kickoff is, uh, has been kicked off by finance in Q4. But my mandate and all my peers' mandates, either in the revenue generation roles, is to actually close out Q4 and make sure it's 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 basically as well as as successful as it can be. You know, the, the planning process gets to be something I don't really have time for myself. So this is where finance is always knocking on the door. They're harassing everyone. Did you fill in the first round of the budget? <laughs> and and so right now, if you've got a tool that that you know it drives everyone through workflows and is a collaboration tool, and there's visibility, and your peers all have insights into what and what you're you're not doing. Uh, corporate performance management has actually proven to actually be an effective tool to bring everybody together and actually speed up that process because there's a level of accountability that goes with that too oh, sure. versus, y'all get the spreadsheet back to you. It's like, no, just fill it in. It's right on the screen. It's in the system. Just fill it in. You're on, on your way. It, it just helps expedite all of that. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, you know, where, where does all this go from here? I mean, what, what does the future of corporate finance look like to you? Yeah. You know, I, you know, there's, there's, I've read a lot of papers out there on on where finance is going, but I, you know when I, after this year, I think you could actually say the future of finance is actually now. Mm. And and let me talk a little bit about that. So the all the uncertainty that we just talked about in 2020, it, you know, we all thought I think maybe the start of 2021 would be kind of different, and boy, it's proven to be just as volatile or interesting as 2020, and maybe even more so, right? <laughs> so you know, really, yeah. When you really look at this now, I, I think. All the stuff that was you know, that that the CFOs, all the different, um, and we talked about the, the scenario planning, and we talked about the forecasting, all the stuff that was brought in in 2020. Those processes are not going to be changing anytime soon, you know. But the you know, the interesting thing is what what this has done though is it is has taught us that you know has really kind of like shown us that you know the finance leaders um, play do they do play a pivotal role in the in the organizations, especially when in an ever changing business landscape. So in addition to like the more strategic process, like we were just saying, like forecasting and scenario models, you know, finance is going to need technology to play an increasing role to help them take them beyond that. So this is where we start talking about um, additional things like automation and, and artificial intelligence. This is where the conversation always goes in the future. But, you know, Profits was one of the first uh, corporate performance management vendors to implement our artificial intelligence capabilities in our solution. And we, we kind of do it in several ways. Today, we use, for example, machine learning AI to quickly discover anomalies and transactions to speed up financial close and also do that with greater assurance than ever before. So 
you know, we're using AI now to speed up your, your close process. And then we also um, implement like things like natural language AI to provide insights and the narrative behind whether it's something just behind charts or perform something more complicated, like a contribution analysis. Um, it just is done and it's explained for you. And so that saves a bit more time in finance. You see there's a theme here. It's all about saving time, but also increasing accuracy. And then you'll see, you know, other examples of AI coming out right now. And you're seeing this in the next couple of years around predictive analytics. This is this is going to be a hot area, especially in CPM. And this is all just starting to make its way into these financial applications now. But think about it, just what we've been through this year. An example of predictive analytics could be predictive forecasting. What if the system could just build baseline forecasts for you? And then you kind of look at them and say, oh, okay, we'll, we'll run with that. We'll tweak this. But as opposed to ground up forecasting, now something's actually predicting maybe what your future state may look like in a sense, using all the available data. That would be a helpful, like say, launch pad to accelerate the forecasting process. And, and then if you're familiar with like Siri or Alexa, you can already ask Profix's virtual financial analyst to do tasks for you. Like, you know, you can say Profix run a forecast or distribute a report to groups or individuals or a whole lot more. So I, I think what I do is I see um, technology and FP&A will continue to further automate FP&A processes while using things like AI to pr- pr- um, provide more meaningful insights, but do so faster. So the whole idea is get more work done again in smaller windows of time and then leaving more time to do the more strategic work. Or, you know, I, I, as when I talk to a lot of finance experts, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we could free up enough time for finance leaders to finally reclaim their weekends or their evenings? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that, that's my big visionary statement there. But uh, I, I, it's possible. It's very possible. And, you know, one, one important thing to point out is AI is not here to replace anybody. It's still, and especially in finance, it needs the humans to make the decisions. Right. But if someone can do all the analysis for you and do it accurately and then present you with the results, and then you decide how you're going to pivot or use that data. Yep. That's a massive savings in time. I talk, I talk to people in finance that tell me they spend more time finding and uncovering the data than they actually do acting on it. And to that's, me, that's, that's not good. That's, you know, that's like, that's like again, holy grail number two, right? Um, less number crunching and, and more, you know, telling the story behind the numbers. What do they mean? Where, where do we go from here? That type of thing. I think that that's, that's where we ultimately want to be, right? Exactly. I think there's this, I don't even, it's probably a cartoon that coined it, uh, the, the, this, this analogy, but knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. You've got the knowledge and you've got the time to act on it. You, you basically have, you have the ability to pivot and use those buzzwords and you'll have increased agility that you never had before. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun to watch. That's for sure. Um, Wayne, listen, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. it it's uh, been a great conversation. Thanks so much for your insights. Oh, no worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me today. Great stuff there from Wayne Slater, Director of Product Marketing for Profix. You can learn a whole lot more by visiting Profix.com. That's P-R-O-P-H-I-X.com. And don't forget, this week's sponsor is the Business Learning Institute, the BLI's Future Ready Learning Framework. Outlines the skills that CPAs need to thrive in the rapidly changing world of accounting and finance. That framework is all about gaining and maintaining deep technical knowledge along with a strategic skill set. We're talking about strategic aptitudes that have been identified as most crucial for tomorrow's CPAs. Start mastering these future-ready skills now by visiting macpa.org slash future dash learning dash framework. And that is all I got for you. Have a great week, folks. Talk to you soon.